Agents Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Espresso Agent. The key to success in real estate is confidence, especially when it comes time to call prospects. Espresso Agent gives you that confidence with the best for sale by owners and expired contacts delivered directly to your inbox seven days a week. Up to 90% of our contacts have phone numbers and the most cell phone numbers on the market. Every day, you can dial with confidence when you dial with Espresso Agent. Visit EspressoAgent.com forward slash agents. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Lab Coat Agents podcast. And I am excited once again, that seems to be a common theme on these podcast recordings, that I get to talk to some really smart, successful people. And today is no different. And the guest that we have on today is somebody that I have not met until recently, uh, as in like three minutes ago recent. And I'm excited to get to, to know him better, to learn from him. He is a real estate investor extraordinaire with a very awesome background, comes uh, as an immigrant from Germany, uh, has been through uh, one of our biggest crises in our industry in 07 and 08 and made it through it and continues to thrive on real estate investing, uh, has flipped more than 4,000 transactions. I'm really curious to learn more about that and uh, has just an awesome system for making money in real estate uh, by uh, owning and flipping land. Uh, Jack Bosch of Orbit Investments, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much, Jeff, for having me. I'm, I'm an honor to be here. Awesome. So, you know, again, I, I do this with most of our guests, and whether or not somebody knows who you are or they don't, I just assume they don't. So tell us about who you are, where you come from. <laughs> Obviously, I already told them you come from Germany, but tell us your story. Right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, obviously, you already told that I'm an immigrant. I came here a bunch of years ago, met my wife three weeks in. My wife is from Honduras, Central America. So we are a weird mixture of Latin American, German immigrants from different countries in the United States. And um, we have been in real estate since the year 2002 with this un very unknown niche. Till to this day, even though I've been now even screaming from the rooftops and even teaching it for the last 11 years, it's very unknown real estate niche of land flipping. So we flip land like other people flip houses, right? So we uh, we buy, we, we specialize in buying properties or putting them on a contract at literally five to 25 cents on a dollar. So we basically specialize or have mastered the technique of finding people that truly don't want their land anymore. Not even motivated sellers, people that truly don't want it anymore. They they give them to us at five to 25 cents on a dollar and we go sell them within, within days or weeks, a few weeks, with for either wholesale for cash, just like half price, or we sell a financing. And then a little bit more to my person is again, I'm now married to that girl that I met, right? Met her three weeks here and into here, and we're married. We have a uh, sweet 12 year old daughter. Uh, we live in Paradise Valley, Arizona, which is a part of Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, we um, we have also since then invested in. Uh, and a bought actually the land flipping is the profits from the land flipping has allowed us to purchase a whole portfolio of single families, which we rent out with property management companies and so on. And also has allowed us to own over $400 of uh, multifamily apartment, apartment complexes, commercial property and things like that. So we are well diversified in different areas, a lot of, but it's all about cash flow. And even the land area, it's about cash flow because when we sell them, we sell a financing. People pay us a down payment and monthly payment, and then we get cash flow for years and years and years to come. 
Wow, fascinating. So before we get into those nuts and bolts, what got you into this? I mean, you come, you know, I assume you didn't show up here with your two suitcases in debt and say, I'm going to start flipping land. So like, how did that progress? Like what, what, what even led you down that path? What were you thinking when you showed up here? Yeah, what I was thinking was really not that much. Um, I was like the man, they call it the number, man, we are supposed to have a nothing box, right? So we're like, uh, that's where we spend most of our days in, in a nothing box. What are you thinking about? Nothing, right? So uh, the point is, uh, I came over here just to finish my college degree. So I was on the path. Uh, my dad's a high school teacher, went to education. He says like, hey, you got to go to college. So I was like, okay, went to college, studied business. And I was like, I'm just going to follow. My, my goal was to actually come to the U.S., finish a college degree. It was kind of a cool situation where I missed like two credits in Germany but if I take those classes in the U.S., I would get an American degree and finish my German degree and improve my English. I was like, hey, it's an unbeatable combination. Let's go. And on top of it, I could delay my entry into the job world by another year, which that was a kind of the biggest one for me because I didn't want to go work. So, uh, But I had my job lined up in Germany at a consulting company. I was ready to go. Everything was uh, was like lined up. And and then I, well, I fell in love with Michelle. I decided to, st- we decided to stay here and make this a neutral territory. We also fell in love with the U.S. And then we got jobs. But the goal afterwards was, no matter in Germany or here, was to get a good education, get a good job, work until you're 65, go retire, right? That was the plan. Well, very quickly, I learned that this is a bad plan. And uh, because after I realized, I started with like two weeks of vacation, uh, with like a salary that wouldn't really allow me to do much. And, and after a year, and it was 100% travel. So after a year and a half of travel, Monday to Friday, we're traveling, staying in some mediocre hotels on the outskirts of town, like Holiday Inn Express and stuff, not the Ritz, like the Holiday Inn instead. <laughs> and eating bad food, gaining 20 pounds, and being away from Michelle, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Plus, there was a big recession. So that uh, not as big as a smaller recession, but big in the industry. The dot-com bubble burst recession in 2001 happened and the company laid off a whole bunch of people. And all this combination of stuff just created so much pain and on dissatisfaction and just 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 like pain. Yeah, that I that I, that we said like we don't want to do this anymore. What can what else can we do to break out of this cycle? Like we gotta do something. So I had to look into entrepreneurship. Not because I'm a born entrepreneur, I don't think I was, but because I would never do anything different now, I would ever always will always be an entrepreneur around, but I'm a learned entrepreneur, let's say, out of the necessity of the of the times that I was in. And perhaps a lot of people can relate to this right now, that they're in a that in a in a crappy financial and a crappy life situation. And that was what drove us. A lot of people make that an excuse to not move. We made it a reason to move, right? And what we moved was into, into try to thought of all kinds of businesses, came across real estate, and it says, that's it, because it checks all four boxes. It's profitable, and profitable to the degree that one deal can make like half of my income for the year, right? So it's profitable, it provides cash flow, you can do it part-time and from a distance, and on top of it, it's low maintenance if you, if you pick the right kind of real estate. You know? So it's like, that's it, that's my, that's, that's my way. And then we struggled for another two years to figure out what niche to pick because we still didn't understand anything about real estate. We didn't want to, I have a real estate license, but I didn't want to be a realtor. I didn't want to drive people around, which is fine, but, uh, but it's just not my thing. 
And, uh, and I didn't want to be a house flipper because I didn't understand anything about houses in terms of back then at least. And uh, now we do, of course, but back then I didn't have the confidence. I didn't have money. I didn't have credit. I didn't have cash. I didn't have uh, relationships. I had nothing. So we stumbled upon this land flipping thing through actually tax liens and tax deeds. We came across tax liens and tax deeds because, hey, there's something, there's somebody who doesn't want their property anymore and letting it go for tax sale. So we attended auctions. We failed. People for properties were bid. But one day we had a thought that what if we can contact these people directly? If they truly, if they're ready to let their property go to a tax sale, they should be ready to give the property to us for 500 bucks, right? Because that's better than letting it go to tax sale and get nothing. So we tried it out and every answer we gotten was only landowners. We're like, what are we going to do with land now? Like we like, what, what, what the heck is that? So we started looking for land. We, we, we offered the first guy, we estimated the property was worth $8,000 based on comparable sales in the, in the area. And this is and land. This is land. Land, yes, land. And uh, it was like a rural lot, I mean, a rural town, small town, a rural area, but right next to a house across the street from another house. And we offered the guy 400 bucks for his property and he took it because it was better than zero when it goes to tax sale. So he took it and we sold it. We put a sign on the property. The neighbor comes over and on the spot buys it from us for 4,000. We're like, okay, it's not a huge profit, but it's 10 times our money. And it proves the concept. So then three weeks later, we get the next deal, buy 500, buy a property for 500 bucks, sell it for 10 grand. And then we just started doing boom, 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 boom. In our first years, we did 63 deals. And after about two months, we're like, let's not even look at houses anymore. Let's put the blinders on because we can do this from home. We don't even have to go see those properties. We don't have to go travel anywhere. We, we, we send them a letter. They call us. We send them a, 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 an offer. They sign it. We put it on the market through, through online resources that everyone can have access to, and somebody buys it. We hire a title company. Heck, I can do everything from here, with just basically with my telephone and a laptop, and I'm in business. And that's, that's particularly important right now that because uh, people can do that right now from anywhere that they are. And now we've been teaching this, and our students are getting like record deals in, in the last few weeks. Wow. Okay, so... So was this in the Phoenix market when you when you got started doing this? Is that where you've always so, been? So we started. The only one thing that is different, we started in the Arizona market because we thought back then we actually still had to see the properties. Very quickly did we realize that Google Maps, Google Earth, the county websites, they all have aerial pictures, even with the property outline on it. You can just zoom in. You can see everything. You pull it up on, on Google Maps. You zoom, you do street view, you have full access to that property without having to leave from your living room. But when we started, we thought we had to go see those properties. So the first year or so, or a couple of years, we went actually every weekend. I came back from traveling from my job because I couldn't quit. Even after having done the first bunch of deals, I couldn't quit because my visa, my work visa, was still tied to that company. And I didn't have the American green card yet. So I had to do this as a side hustle with Michelle, with my wife. We had to do this as a side hustle while waiting for the permanent residency, the green card to arrive. And once it arrives, we're able to quit. But so while this, while this was going on, I would travel Sunday, Monday to Friday. I would come back. Michelle would have rented the car, would have picked me up on the airport uh, or an SUV, and we would go up north, go look at all these properties because we saw we buy properties in three different areas, and one of them is more rural areas. And we went up there. I look at these properties, came back Sunday night, slept on Monday, jumped on the plane again, because we were on a mission to get financially free and get independent from that job thing. 
Then a green card arrived, and just a few months later, we were in a position to quit. And, and 18 months after we got our first deal done, we were millionaires. What year? What years were this? What, what was this going that on? That was the end of 2002, all the way to like uh, to now. But uh, uh, the first deal we got was Christmas Day 2002. At least we got the voicemail that he's going to accept it and going to send it into the mail. That deal then closed uh, in January of 2003. So basically, from the beginning 2003 till about uh, September, October of uh, August, September of 2004. That's when we were when we hit our first million. And then this continues going up. But the nice part is when the market crashed, we continued doing deals. All that happens in that market is that you buy cheaper and you sell cheaper. Your margins are a little bit smaller, but you're still making money. Instead of making 30 grand, you make 20. Instead of making 15, you make 10. Instead of making 10, you make six. But you can totally still, I mean, how many deals at 10 or six or 10 or $15,000 a month do you need in order to be financially safe during, during these times right now, right? as uh, one or two is fine and for most people. So, so it did completely, it worked through that process and that's when he also started teaching it because all the other methods stopped working and ours kept working. So it was like, we got to show this to the world because there's like 20 people in the country who do this. We have 3,007 counties in the country. Even if I teach this to 10,000 people, there's still going to be only three and a half people for every county in the United States which really is no competition. And we are far away from 10,000. We probably thought there's a, a thousand now of which perhaps a third do this full time, right? So there's every, for every full-time investor right now, there's still 10 counties out there. That's insane. And you know, the funny thing is, is completely kind of unrelated, but we, we, now that we're talking and here we are, you know, knee deep in this quarantine. And obviously this will actually go live a few weeks from when we record it. Uh, and I'm sure we'll still be in the quarantine because it'll be sometime in April and we're in early April now. When we, when we uh, scheduled this, we had, I didn't have any idea about any of this conversation that was going to happen, which is fascinating because this is, this is applicable at any time, but right. it's so applicable now because you're, you're hearing, you know, realtors are scared and, and our right. industry, there's a lot of industries scared, but let's be honest, we're talking to real estate agents. They're right. scared to death because even though they might have a, a pipeline now, we don't know what it's going to look like in May. We don't know what it's going to look like in June. We don't know what's going to look like in July. We don't know how long this is going to go. We don't know. We don't know what the effect is going to be. And so, having this as a side hustle, as you said, right. or just a supplemental and, income, is massive. Particularly for realtors, actually, one of our students that is also one of our coaches actually owns a brokerage, and what he does is he goes and writes it out, and he disclosed right in the first letter that you send out. You disclose that a realtor. We do the same thing that you have a real estate license but did you buying on your own behalf? And then you're making your offers and things like that. And then you only, you're not gonna get every offer accepted. So what he does is that the offers he doesn't get accepted, he has his assistant call, or he has, I don't know, his assistant or some, another realtor in his company uh, calls and basically says like, hey, I know you didn't accept our offer and this is cool. So what would you be interested, were you interested in listing this property? And if yes, for how much? So as a matter of fact, he gets a lot of listings through that process too. He, he gets some great properties, but those are just like, no, I'm not willing to give it up for 20 cents on a dollar. I want like 80% of 90% of market value. He's like, okay, cool. I can perhaps help you list it. But the key is because of following our method, he actually knows how to list it in a way that it sells. Because most realtors are actually house realtors and they're doing a fine job selling houses but they don't usually know how to list the property, a piece of land. Just go pull up Zillow any moment and just look at the land listings over there. 
in all, with all due respect to my realtor friends, because I have a license too, obviously, uh, most of them are really crappy. And the reason why they're crappy is that in, in a house, the way you list the house obviously is like simplified, of course, right? Is you list it, you, you, take, you have a great photographer coming in, perhaps you stage the house, you do a broker open house, you do open houses, you do marketing, you put it on the MLS and things like that. And the natural traffic where people are looking comes to their property and you do showings. You can do none of that. You can't do any of that stuff on land, really, right? You can do a showing, but what are they going to look at? Some dirt, right? So, so what you need to do, you need to pack all of that into your listing. So one of the things we teach our students is that, so it has a mutual benefit. It has a benefit on both sides. You do it for your own land, but you can also use it for your listing that when you sell a piece of land, you need to actually, you need to tell a story. You're actually not selling the piece of land. You're selling the neighborhood of the land. You're selling the, the vicinity what's right, right there because we're selling, we're focusing on three kinds of properties. One, infill lots, which are easy to sell because the builders want those and you don't have to dream build there. The second ones are lots in the path of growth. So right outside of the city, the next five to 15 miles or 20 miles, that's the path of growth. A lot of future retirees, a lot of people are in their, people are in their mid, mid 50s right now. And they realize that in 10 years from their retire, they can no longer afford the $1,500 or $1,200 mortgage. They can no longer afford all the utilities in the city, all the cost of living and the, and the property taxes and all stuff. So what, what we are offering is we're offering a property 10 miles, 15 miles outside of the city, an acre that they can buy or five miles out of the city that, that, that in the city would be worth half a million. Outside of the city, it's worth 50,000. They can buy it from us for 50 grand with a $6,000 down payment. We only paid $5,000 for the property. So we get our money back right away. And then $500 a month payments for the next 10 years, they pay it off. Then they go and build a double wide mobile home on there or something like that. Or in, the, in, in that shape. And now they have a free and clear property with a free and clear house on it. In order to sell that, what you need to do is you don't sell the land. What you need to sell, what you need to sell is like, if you buy this piece of, this is perfect for the future retiree, buy this property now. Look, the next grocery store is only 15 minutes away. The next hospital is only 20 minutes away. The next Starbucks is only there. The ballpark is there, right? The access to the interstate is only 10 minutes away. So now you sell the amenities close by for that. And, and then a future retiree looks at that and is like, well, that's perfect for me because I can live a cheaper lifestyle and I can be close to all these different things, but nobody does that. And then, and then, and then the property, and, then, and only then they look at the property. So in our listings, the first picture is not the property. The first picture might be the close by hospital or like the hospital half an hour away. Might be the grocery store, might be the ballpark. And only list picture number seven is the actual land because the land, they're only interested in the land if the other pieces around it make sense, right? So because of that, our listings stand head and shoulders about everyone else's listings. And we can actually sell these properties so much faster than most of the realtors out there because, yeah, because they address the actual points of what the people are looking for. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine. I imagine most real estate agents don't know how to position land. And yeah. so they just kind of wing it or assume that some, an investor wants it or a builder yeah. wants it, right? And, and I don't blame them for it because in real estate, real estate school, you don't get taught how to position a piece of land. And in a brokerage, you don't get taught how to position a piece of land because it's all about houses. Yeah, that's right. that's. But it's not hard. It's actually simple. Go ahead. Sorry. 
That's awesome. No, I mean, this is, this is fantastic. So, so uh, we go back to 2003 when you turned your first profit on the deal that you bought for $400 and then, and then you fast forward to, you said what, Oh, four where you, where you made, you know, when you, when you hit your first million, but then Oh seven, Oh eight happened, which wow. is, you know, kind of similar to what we're going through right now. We're not sure, uh, but we know it's going to have some impact, right? And right. probably some big impact. How did you navigate that? Like, where were you guys? And did you have the presence of mind or did you just kind of figure it out as you went? Like you said, uh, you just did things for smaller margins. Like, how did you how did you navigate that? So the first thing is that we realized that we needed to shift gears because what we were doing was the buying was not a problem. The selling started changing. So we realized that because up till 2000, because about 2005, we discovered, we realized the method to sell a lot of properties was actually big live auctions. So we, instead of putting this, instead of putting these properties on the MLS, we were literally cranked up our operations 2005, six, seven, and we bought as many as 80 properties a month, eight, zero, uh, 80 properties a month. And once a quarter or once every four months, we put up a one big live auction where we would bring in five to 800 people live. We put advertising everywhere. We put people in, uh, in the property. We hired auctioneers and bid assistants and things. And, and we would sell all 200 to 250 properties in one day. And then we would go around and do that again and again and again and again. Have you heard of auction.com? Mm-hmm. Well, auction.com used to be called landauction.com and was, was one of our biggest competitors. So auction.com pivoted into the house flipping side. We pivoted online. So what happened is in 2007, eight, when this happened, there was about the six month period where we indeed didn't know exactly how to navigate the market. But the benefit was because we're selling a lot of our properties with owner financing. Again, we're selling them wholesaling. I could take a $30,000 property, buy it for $5,000, sell it for 15, make $10,000, move on again, do this again and again and again. Or take a $30,000 property, put it on a contract for three, sell it for somebody for 30 with a $5,000 down payment and $500 a month for the next eight years and you get cash flow, right? So we built up so much cash flow that we had $70,000 a month coming in in cash flow to just to draw from all free and clear properties. So what we did is we, we did change our company. Uh, we shrank our company a little bit because we weren't needing all these marketing people for these auctions anymore. But what we did is we, we started seeing like for the, over the six months, we figured out where do we sell these properties now? And we discovered that the internet had risen far enough at that point that people that everyone was on fast fund, fast broadband, that pages like Zillow had popped up, pages like uh, Facebook had popped up, pages like, uh, or places like that had popped up, that we could start, actually Craigslist was there, that we could sell these properties to these websites. And now, yes, we're selling them one by one. Before we would sell like nothing, big spike, nothing, big spike. Now we sell properties every day, and it adds up if we want to to the same amount. We have students that do 300 deals a year right now. And, and, and so you can scale it up to the same kind of level or similar levels than the auction. So we, we but we realized by doing that, now every, this is replicatable. Everyone can replicate it because not everyone is able to put up a $200,000 auction with 200 properties and a bunch of the organization behind it. But everyone can put a property on a contract and put it on Zillow and put it on Craigslist and put it on the MLS because our contract allows you to market the property while we have it on a contract. So with that, you can put it on the MLS because they're allowed, they're allowed to remarket it and uh, put it on Facebook Marketplace and on Facebook groups and on 
on Redfin and on landwatch.com uh, land or land.com. You can do those things now. Every, everyone can do that. And so everyone now can from home flip these properties and sell them from the comfort of their home. And that's when we realized that, that also we can, once we figured it out, we went full out and we continued seeing sales, sales, sales all the way down and all the way to the bottom and all the way to the up. That's when we started also teaching it because we realized that all the other methods out there didn't work anymore, but ours continued working. And as I said, we could teach this to a lot of people without causing, without destroying our own market, without even causing any competition for us. That's crazy. That's crazy. So I have a question, you know, you mentioned, First of all, I guess what what would you say is the percentage of properties that you're taking down that you're wholesaling versus owner financing? Do you have a method to that or a formula? Yeah. So so this changes in a recessionary environment. In a boom environment, you can sell everything cash. You don't have to offer any sell seller financing. But we like seller financing. So we started out with offering like only cash sales because we needed cash to get out of debt, cash to pay off our bills, cash to pay off our cars, cash to pay off all this kind of stuff. But then after like 20, 30 deals, we had plenty of cash in the bank. We started selling our seller financing. So we did like a 70, 30 at the beginning, 70% cash, 30% seller financing. As we moved up, we offered, we did probably move to a 64, 40, 60 cash, 40 seller financing. And once the recession hit, that actually shifted that actually reversed to more like a 60-40 or 70-30 because in a recession, it's not like people don't have money. Yes, some people don't have money, it's true. Some people lose a lot of money and so on. But there's always enough end consumer consumers out there with money. What they're doing in a recessionary environment is they're often holding on to their money tighter and they're not dumping all their money into one property. Instead, they're wanting, they might be buying a property from us for $3,000 and $300 a month, but but that we sell for $30,000, but they have $30,000. They're just not willing to put it all in. So what you can do there is what we have done is either wait, and then once the recession is over, they pay you off, or you can, you can say, okay, do that, wait a few months, and then send them a letter and say like, hey, if you pay off your loan right now in full, I give you a 15% discount. And then you won't, won't believe how many people pay that thing off because it's a nice incentive. So now instead of selling the property for $30,000, you sold it for $25,000, but you only bought it for three, you still made a ton of money and you get your cash. So there's some tricks that you can play in this environment and that's the thing, kind of things that we teach our students these days. What about staying on the owner financing train of thought? So does it, does, has it remained? So you went from you know, 70, 30 cash, owner financing and now it flips in, in a recessionary period to 30, 70, yeah. the other way. Um, yeah. Does it flip back when we come out of it or do you stay in it? And now that's question number one. Number two, what do you do about default? Because I'm sure that's plays sure. a big part. So, so, so yes, it flips back, not immediately, but, but it flips back. And, and here's the thing, you can always keep it at 80, at, at 100% cash if you just discount the price, right? If you discount the price enough, people are going to buy it. But but if you run the math, like if I take a $30,000 property that I buy for three and I sell it for 15, I make $12,000, ignoring closing costs right now, okay? So uh, um, like I make $12,000. If I take this property of $30,000 and buy it for three and I sell it for $30,000 or $27,000, let's give them a little, for $30,000 with a $3,000 down payment, and let's say $300 a month and 10 or 10 or 11% interest, 
I end up making a total of $45,000 on that deal. So it's either, it's either I make 12 or I make 45, right? So I rather make the 45 if I don't need the cash right away to live on. So as long as I still do some cash deals that bring me in 10, $20,000 or $30,000, whatever you need a month, right? I can do everything else with seller financing because I'm ultimately tripling or quadrupling my profits on those. And then another thing you can do is you can sell those notes. You can also go sell the notes. That's an entire different industry. Uh, I don't like selling the notes. I love the cash flow. But now, so from that point of view, I love the selling. I love the seller financing. That's why we do 70%. But we got students that do, that do pure cash. They'll continue to do pure cash. They don't want to have notes. They just want the cash, one-time transaction, cash in a bank, move on to the next deal. Right? Totally fine. They're just making less money on the same number of deals that we ultimately make. We'll end up making almost three times as much money. So having said that, the default rate, but of course, we make three times as money, but it spreads over time. They make a little shorter and less money, but they make it now. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's your preference. Where are you in life? And I love the stabilizing factor of cash flow. Now imagine you had started or you start this right now and let's say in the next six months you do, you do like 10 seller financing deals at $500 a piece. You have 5,000 for the next 10 years. You have $5,000 a month coming in for the next 10 years. Most people, that is more than the average American family income. So most people can be completely financially independent at that level and have complete stability while no matter what happens in the economy, right? That's why I love it. When we had $70,000 a month coming in, I was like, the world's coming to the day. But no, this is my fuel to buy houses like crazy because when houses were selling at $35,000 a dollar, uh, for $35,000, when two year, a year later, a year before they were selling for $200,000, we went shopping. That was the best shopping time of our lives. For houses? For houses or land? Back then, then in 2009, we started buying houses because yeah. we couldn't say no. Yeah. Like if you get a house that rents for 900 bucks for $35,000, I mean, the numbers, whichever way you do them, they work. And that's when we started buying houses because we had so much cash flow coming in. Now, the second part of your question is the default question. Yes, in the, the economic crisis in 2008 was long enough drawn out. Everyone expects this to be like a V-shaped kind of thing. But in the but this one was was a three four year crisis, and at after year one, so it took about a year before default started uh, ticking up. So people kept paying, people kept paying, but then as more and more companies started laying off, and, and the government didn't bail out people back then with uh, twelve hundred dollar checks and things like that. So they as this started happening, some people stopped paying, and we had about a fifteen to twenty percent of our notes went into default. So here's what we did, though, and that's the beauty of it. You are the bank when you do this, right? You are the bank. And back then, there was a lot of talk about loan modifications. And we are like, okay, well, if we're the bank, why don't we call our own buyers that pay these loans off and ask them if they would like to do a loan modification? So we picked up the phone and called them and said, like, hey, listen, we haven't received a payment for you for two months. What's going on? Do you not want this property anymore? Or do you just cannot afford it anymore? And mostly the answer was, I just can't afford it anymore. I can't afford the $400 a month payment anymore. It's like, okay, what can you afford? They're like, well, I can't afford 200. It's like, okay, let me see what we can do. You already paid down half of the money. There's not much risk for us involved anymore. How about we lower your interest rate? We lower it. We, we stretch out the loan for an extra five years and we get your payment to $230. Would that be okay? 
They're like, yeah, I think I can do that. Okay, great. Wrote up new paperwork. The person started keep paying. Our note was saved. And we actually ended up making even more money on it because of the extra, even though we had a low interest rate over the extra time period, we had extra interest for many years. Right? And they, got, they were happy they got to keep their property. It's a win-win for everyone. And yeah. so we did. We rescued a lot of our notes on those. And then about 5 to 10% we had to foreclose on. So we foreclosed on them. And then we just resold them at the lower price because the market had reset. We resold them at the lower price. But remember, on almost all of them, we had already our, made our money back with just a down payment. Then we had received payments for years. We're already massively in the profit zone on almost all of these deals. So selling it now again at the lower price, which is extra profit. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, again, you, you shifted and you evolved yeah. and you worked with it. It's just, I guess it's like anything else. Yeah. You, you um, got to work with it. You got to adjust with the times. And, uh, but the, 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 the key method and how to find them and how to sell them didn't change. Just, just then working with your clients changed a little bit. Which is the perfect segue into the question that everyone is thinking right now. How have you figured that out? And how much are you willing to share with our audience? Well, how I figured this out, as I, as I mentioned, we kind of figured it out by, by trial and error, by, by only count. By, we didn't even know the first time somebody said about seller findings, they're like, uh, can I pay you an power, a down payment or make monthly payments? We're like, is that even legal? Can we do that? Like, we're not. We, we didn't go to like a million seminars. We didn't go to, there's nobody teaching us that. So we basically had to learn little by little the terminology the things that, but now we have, we obviously we have a program together that we share people and, and then I'd be happy to share the, where people can find out more about that. But uh, it's called Land Profit Generator and you can find out at landprofitfund.com. You can find out much more about it. Say but that again. Fun with F-U-N. Say that again. So, landprofitfund.com and fun is F-U-N. Uh, so like having fun yeah. and uh, it's where people can find out about it. But yeah, I mean, I could talk for the next 10 hours and, I have a podcast too, the Forever Cash Real Estate Podcast. And if you go all the way to the beginning, the first probably 10 sessions are all about the detail and how that all works. That's fantastic. Um, and you just give that out. So uh, I guess the, the question is less about figuring out the owner financing, but how did you figure out and, and share as much as you're willing to share but when you said that back in the day, you went to the auctions and realized, man, we're not getting anything, but we figured out a way to get to find the information, to get to those people before it goes to the auction. What oh, is that secret sauce? Well, the secret sauce there is we figured it out by, again, there's, I mean, we've developed somewhat of a secret sauce by having a letter that we sent to the sellers now that we split tested hundreds of times to make sure we get like, literally when we send our letter, we get between a four and a 15% response rate from our sellers, which is crazy in any kind of direct marketing world. Versus be that the realtor you send out direct mail or in the investment world, it's, it's, it's multiple times higher because we're dealing with people that don't want their property anymore in very, very little competition. But what we figured out is we basically, we tried that, that tax deed auction world and we failed. So we sat at home and we, we just had that thought of like, like these people don't want their properties anymore. Two words came into our mind and those two words were why wait? And literally I remember sitting in a hotel room somewhere, still traveling 100% and it's like, well, it's, let's say take an example of California. If somebody stop, wants, doesn't want their property anymore right now, 2020 
And that property is going to go up for auction. If they stop paying property taxes today, it's going to be six years before that property comes up for auction. Five years before the state can do anything, then they take another year to bring it up on the auction. So I realized, started realizing that if somebody today decides that they don't want their property anymore, it's going to take it's going to take six years or so, six years of of, late, of, of of property taxes, six years of fees, six years of penalties, six years of interest. And then afterwards, this property sits like, let's say it's a $50,000 property. It might have $20,000 of fees and penalties on there. Then the county goes, takes it up for advertising, puts it up for the auction. The minimum bid is usually what is owed in taxes, so $20,000. And and then you go, and then people bid it up to the wazoo to $45,000 or so. It's like, it doesn't make sense for me to attend these auctions. If that person decides six years ago, couldn't I go to that person right now? And more than anything, aren't there going, isn't there a possibility that there's people today that decide that same thing, right? That today decide that they no longer want their property, whose properties are going to come up in 2026 that I could contact today. So we started figuring out who are they, and we figured out, well, they're typically the owners of properties between of properties worth of five to $100,000. That's our sweet spot. Above $100,000, it gets a little harder to get them to, they're usually more attached to their property. They know the value a little more. They care about it more. They're not willing to give you such a big discount. But between five dollars and $100,000, that's the typical properties. Then we, try, we figured out that it's three kinds of properties, infill lots in the, in the outskirts of town and the more rural areas. Those are the ones we want to go after because those are the ones that have the biggest buyer's pool ready to buy already, right? So then we started saying, okay, if that's the case, we already had realized that during the tax delinquent things, then we realized that most of the deals we had done after a while weren't even tax delinquent. So we no longer focus on tax delinquent properties. We now realize that only 20% of our deals are in tax delinquent, 80% don't even owe taxes. It's just people, they're like, oh my God, I don't want this thing anymore. Here's the tax bill again, I have to pay it again. I don't wanna pay it. So, so we, but during the tax delinquent days, we, when we were preparing for tax auctions, we started realizing that all the information about who these people are is public information. It's online on the county records. So we knew that we could get a hold of them through the county records. We knew that we, if we can develop, develop a criteria about who are these people, that we can, we can get to the county, get the list. And then when then we, our hypothesis was, that if we get this right and we send them a letter, they should be calling back in droves and there should at least some of them should be willing to give us their properties for almost nothing. And bingo, that's exactly what we what we figured out. It took us like three years to figure this out, but we figured it out, we fine-tuned it, and then we created the system, and then we we cranked this up to 4,000 plus deals by now. Wow, that's, uh, that's amazing. And it's not, I mean, you know, a part of me was sitting here listening to you to talk about this and thinking there's this, just there's got to be something like just really special, but it's not exactly rocket science. No. It's almost like you just didn't follow the herd. You know, right. you just, you found your way. And and here we are still today. You figured this out, you know, almost 20 years ago. And and here you still are, uh, you know, as I guess you just have run of the mill because there's just not a lot of competition. And I imagine you're the one creating any of the competition that does exist for the most part. Pretty much, but there's still none. There's like probably five counties in the country now where there is any kind of a minimal uptick where some sellers sometimes say, oh yeah, I've received a letter like that in the past. But they're still calling back and they're still wanting an offer and they're still accepting your offer. And that's five out of 33,007 counties in the United States. So we are still decades away from any kind of 
market penetration. Uh, saturation, but from a point where there is any level of significant competition. And, and we have students right now that, that by the first year they do 50 deals, by the second year they do 100 deals, by the third year they do 200 deals. And anywhere, if you're in between 50 and 100 deals, you're making a million dollars here. So they're making, they're making seven figures in their second year and they're making multiple seven figures in their third year. And by that time, they're done, right? They're taking that money, now moving it, perhaps buying themselves a nice fat apartment complex, uh, free and clear almost, or with a, without any investors, with a $300,000, $400,000 annual cash flow, and uh, after mortgage is paid, and they're leaning back and they're, they're set for life. So these students, do you find that a lot of them are coming in as realtors? Or are you just finding random people who are looking to find, you know, that, that, that golden goose? And are, are they taking it on? Are most of your students starting, like saying, I'm going all in? Or are most of them coming in saying, I got to keep working my day job and I'm going to do this on the side? So we find all people from all walks of life. We specialize in, in talking to people that are frustrated in what they're doing right now. They... They perhaps have dabbled in real estate, but as an agent or an investor, it doesn't matter. We have a lot of students that have real estate licenses. I don't know if they're full-time or not, but we have a lot of students that have licenses and they are, they're just frustrated with, with, with the things, with the, if the flick, like, you know, how sellers are and you know, how buyers are right. I mean, I've, when we bought our house here last year, the seller was a seller from hell. Like he would like have cameras all over the house. It's a beautiful 7,100 square foot custom home on an acre. Uh, but he was the seller from hell. He would have cameras everywhere. When we went to do additional visits to the house, even to like, even once we had our money was hard and everything, we were, we're just like financing was all lined up. We were deciding what to put where and we were let in. Yet he was watching us on camera. If I sat down on his couch, on his couch, he would call the realtor and tell him, Hey, uh, ask him to get up from the couch and stuff like that. So anyway, he wouldn't cooperate with anything. And he was just like an absolute horrible seller. Anyone has seen those. I mean, but bottom line is if, if, if people are frustrated with that, there's, we have students that are frustrated. They're trying to make house flipping work and it's too hard. It's too hard because there's too many tentacles going on. Right? There's people that tried and failed in other coaching programs and couldn't get it done. They come to us and they're successful. So it's, it's young people, old people, dentists that don't like being dentists anymore. Right? And because of that, we're able to sell their practice and making six figures with us now. Uh, it's truck drivers that don't want to be away from home anymore and they make money with us. It's all the gamut of it. And then the second part of the question is the majority does start part time. We have a few and, 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 and I'm not going to be the one that says jump full in because I don't know. I know our system works like gangbusters. I don't know if the person is going to work it like they're supposed to be working. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm not going to be the one that says like quit your job, jump in full time uh, because uh, because if they slack half of the time, then they're going to run out of money. So what I rec tend to recommend is do what I did. Start it part-time. Because you, if you can spend, a, like one of our students, all he ever did was spend Thursday evenings and Saturday mornings on this business. And he made in 15 months, he did 19 deals making 400 grand. So if you can do that, like if you can spend that amount of time, uh, then, then, then do it part-time. Get a few deals done. Get, get out of debt, get some breathing space above it. Because we as Americans, I'm American now too. I'm a citizen. My wife is a citizen. We as Americans, we, we are way too much in consumption, which is uh, every dime that comes in, we spend on something. We're too much in debt. We so spend, get, spend two. Spend two for every one we make, it seems like. There, there we go. Get, use that money. Get out of debt. Get some breathing space. Lower your expenses. And then make the jump.
because that's exactly what I've done. We paid off our car, we paid cars, we paid off our, our, our everything we had, our credit cards, our, our student debt was paid off in a matter of a year. All of these things, or 10 months, everything was paid off. Now our salary actually had uh, $1,500 a month left to actually do something with. And now our monthly expenses were down to like less than $2,000. And at that moment, quitting wasn't a problem because that's like one, that's like less than a minimum size deal to pay your bills, right? So that moment, quitting uh, quitting the job and I had the green card was the easiest thing in the world because, uh, and on top of it, by that time, we had built up $5,000 in monthly cash flow already. So I was already more than twice financially free in that moment. So, So in that moment, we realized the job is costing us money and we quit. That's fantastic, which I think is more reason why this makes sense for real estate agents. And I think this has been fantastic content. And, and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm partially surprised I've never heard it. But yes, I guess I'm not, because like you said, it's, it's an untapped world. And it makes all the sense in the world for a real estate agent who can control their schedule and can control their time and have a little bit of time. And they're already in this game as it is. It just yeah. seems to make sense. Fascinating. So uh, we're running running long on time. This has been fantastic, Jack. I appreciate it. Uh, so again, uh, landprofitfunfun.com. Uh, is there another place where they can find you or reach out to you? Yeah, so my podcast is Forever Cash Live, Real Estate Podcast. But also we have a Facebook group that is a fantastic free Facebook group where a lot of our successful students and ourselves are hanging out on a daily basis. And that one is called the Land Profit Generator Real Estate Group. Yeah, it's a closed group, so you have to apply for it. And it's really basically we're asking you to make sure that you don't spam people, don't sell any stuff, and don't be negative because yeah. we're a positive group. We are a can-do attitude group. We are a helping first group. And it's an absolute one of the best groups on the entire Facebook uh, where literally everyone is forgives from an open heart and just helps each other to success. It's a fantastic group. I love it. Well, and that's uh, exactly how Lab Code Agents was built. Same concept. It's grown to 117,000 real estate professionals, and it's all about contribution. Now, there's, all, there's always nonsense in the group when you have that many people. It's impossible, but we yeah, police the hell out of it. And it's all about giving without expecting anything in return. It's a, it's a wonderful concept. You 100% align with us. I'm really glad that we uh, were able to get connected. This has been fantastic. So one more time, landprofitfun.com, uh, the Forever Cash Live podcast, right? And then your Facebook group is the Land Profit Generator, correct? Yes, correct. Awesome. Folks, check this out. This uh, has been phenomenal. I have a feeling this podcast is going to change some lives. And um, I hope they can look back and say, I remember that interview with that Jeff and that Jack guy. And holy cow, what, uh, what an amazing thing. So, Jack, this has been fantastic. It's been great to get to know you, hear your story. And um, uh, I look forward to staying in touch. Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right, take care. Lab Coat Agents Podcast.